The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. Okay, Kaylee and Kelsey are passing out little handouts and um, <clears throat> little pieces of paper. So if you have any questions, we're going to collect them at the Inn the end of this talk and Jason will use them next week so if you have questions about sex dating relationships write them down and we'll turn those in and also we have little handouts I like handouts so take notes if you want not about things I say but lots of times things will pop in your head as we're talking um, yes so before we get started tonight uh, I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to get into it all right, dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity to come together tonight, Lord. Um, Lord, I'm thankful for a chance to just get to have this conversation, um, a conversation I think that I would have loved and gotten a lot out of uh, in college. And I wish, I just pray, Lord, that, um, that maybe this, me speaking up here will break the ice for some of these women to talk to each other about some of this stuff. And Lord, I pray that your presence will just be with us and they'll have a great night. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, like I said before, I am super excited to be here talking with you guys about this tonight. Uh, in the last two years, I've gone from single without a crush on the radar to dating to serious relationship to engaged to married. Um, and, and I just, by going through all those stages, I remember having so many questions and realizing that there's so many different voices and all these different people have opinions about what all those stages should be like. And I remember this not only during my during those stages, but also in my whole life, and especially in college. Um, I went to the University of Puget Sound in Tacoma. Uh, I graduated in two, 2008, which means I'm, I turned 27 on Sunday, so young face. Um, <laughs> but, we, uh, but I went to school at UPS, and I was a Pi Phi there. I was on the ski team. I was a chemistry major, and I was part of a campus ministry. And in all four of those arenas, it felt like there was a completely different culture with completely different values and ideas about faith and relationships and boys. And it was really hard for me to figure out what to do with all those different voices. And to add to that, there are the voices from your past. There's the voices of your parents or your pastors or your friends or your teachers. And then there's the voices of pop culture and the people around you. And then there's also these voices within you that um, sometimes it's God and sometimes it's just your own trying to process this stuff with sex and relationships. And I found that a lot of times those voices were in conflict, and it, was, it made this topic really frustrating and confusing. Um, and a friend asked me, you know, who has the microphone in your life? Who, who are you listening to? And tonight, you guys get to listen to me, because Ryan gave me the microphone. But um, we're going to start talking about this tonight, and we're not going to have it all figured out. But my hope is that we can start a conversation, and also that I can paint kind of a bigger picture of what a relationship is about. So, um, how many of you guys have seen the movie The Notebook? Have cried during the movie The Notebook? <laughs> love the movie The Notebook? Um, and I think we love this this movie because it's this classic, this amazing romance story where there's this poor guy and this rich girl and they fall in love and, and he loves her not because she's rich and beautiful but because she's Allie and he loves that. And you see Allie leave Noah and she goes off and she 
you know, searches after other guys and gets this, looks for success and jobs and the finer things of life. And Noah, meanwhile, is faithfully, minus the mistress and the drinking problem, waiting <laughs> for Allie back at home. And he's also fulfilling this dream of this house that he wants to prepare for her. And when Allie comes back, I think this is the part we love the most, you know, he is just so excited for her to come home to her. And I think that this, is, uh, this story is something that we all long for. We all want someone to, to long for us. We all want someone to wait for us and pursue us and to like us, not because we're beautiful and successful, but because we are who we are. And I think that this is written, something that's written in our DNA. I believe that God created us for a relationship with him. And I think lots of times we hear this idea like, God loves you, Jesus loves you. But I think this idea that Steve Blacksmith brought up at the winter retreat of God adoring you is just a totally different, makes, takes it to a whole other level. And I think the story of Noah and Allie is just this tiny little glimpse of the passion and the love that God has for us and how he just longs for us to return home to him. And I think lots of times in my life, my sin or my brokenness keeps me from returning. But I think in this story, Noah's like, yes, it sucked that you left. Yes, it sucked the things that happened to you. But I am so excited you're back with me. And I think that the Lord, I mean, this is like the tiniest glimpse, and we can't even fathom this, you know, but God just wants us back with him. And we are created for that. And this type of like adoration, this deep, passionate love is something that's new to me discovering <clears throat> kind of a new step in my relationship with God in the last couple of years is really going from Jesus loves you to like, wow, God is like passionate about me. And that's crazy. So I wanted to read a few verses from the Bible just to see so you guys could hear what God says in his heart. So you can go to the next slide. The first one is she decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers, but she forgot about me, declares the Lord. And we do this. I do this. The next one is, return to me, for I have redeemed you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so your God will rejoice over you. You can go to the next slide. So God adores us and longs for us to return to him. And my question for tonight is, what would change if before we gave our hearts, bodies, and souls to a guy, we first gave them to the Lord? And I know for me, um, giving myself my heart to the Lord first made all the difference. There's this analogy that Sam and I had, and it was called, we call it dinner and dessert. And we like to think about romantic relationships as dessert. And the things of life, the, your relationship with God, your, your deep relationships with friends, community, passions, adventures, all these things are the things of life, and that's dinner. And if you, you've eaten dinner, you have this uh, fullness and if you haven't, you have these hunger pains. Have you guys ever been coming back from the IMA? You're coming back from the library. It's 10.30. You're starving. You forgot dinner. You walk into the house, and you're trying to find anything. Stale chips, like, down the hatch. Like, three-day-old donut with a bite out of it. You're like, yes. <laughs> that is an experience we've all had. Versus the other, the other side of the coin is Thanksgiving dinner. You're, like, sitting in your food coma, Grandma brings out, like, the apple pie, your favorite thing ever, and you're just like, all I want to do is eat that, but I cannot imagine putting one more thing in my body. Like, that dinner was awesome. And there's this proverb that talks about this, whatever you call it, difference. Uh, and it says, one who lo is full loathes honey, but one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. 
And I th- and we I think this is what happens to us when we we've had Thanksgiving dinner. Even honey, something sweet tastes ter- sounds terrible. But when, when we are starving, when we're hungry, we'll eat anything. This is the same thing with relationships. Um, if we have eaten dinner, if we're full on the Lord, if we're full with the things of life, we we're okay to let life go by without dessert. Maybe we're craving some chocolate, maybe not, but we're okay. But if we are starving, if we're hungry, we eat these terrible relationships. You know, and, and lots of times you can see it easier in other people where you're like, man, that is a three-day-old donut relationship. Like, that is not awesome. And that is not going to make you feel awesome the next day. But yet we, we have these hunger pains and we're like, we just devour the food. So what does it look like to be uh, hungry? And I know for me, when I moved to Seattle, I, um, when I moved to Seattle, kind of the things of life were wiped away. There was... You know, my family wasn't here. I hadn't really developed good friendships here yet. I uh, wasn't, didn't know how to like, pursue the things I love to do, my activities. And it was really hard for me to, find a, to figure out my relationship with God in a new setting. So relationship comes along, and I'm like, ooh, relationship. So start dating this guy, and it wasn't particularly good or bad relationship, but uh, it was definitely, looking back, it was definitely this kind of little sugar high. If he texted me, I was like, oh my gosh, he texted. And if he didn't, I was just like depressed for the day. And <clears throat> when he finally stopped calling, I like couldn't let this relationship go. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I don't even know if I really like this guy or if he's that awesome, but like, why do I, why can't I just let this go? And looking back, it was, it was because I hadn't eaten dinner. This was all I had was these little sugar highs. And so what does it look like to be full? Uh, for me, I've spent most of my life single. Uh, I've had some serious boyfriends, I've had some random bad dates, I've had some okay relationships, but I've had a lot of my life, I've been single. And there's been seasons where, where I've had dinner, where I've been skiing, which is something I love to do. I've been pursuing the Lord, I've been, had great friendships that I'm, I'm really sharing myself with and trying to love people. I've been in core groups, and, and when these things of my life are full, then yes, I crave chocolate. You know, you all crave these desserts, but but it's a craving, which is okay, versus like, oh my gosh, I'm starving, and I, <clears throat> and I feel full, and I feel life. And Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to the full. And that's one of my favorite, yeah, right here, this is what it looks like to eat dinner, to pursue the Lord and pursue these other things. Um, he said, I came to bring life and bring it to the full. And this is a verse I believe, and I believe he said, bring it to the full, and he didn't mean when you get a husband, then you'll have life to the full. Or when you get a boyfriend, then you'll have life to the full. But he said, I came to bring it now. And you can have this now. <clears throat> and I've experienced that now. Um, just as I experienced the other side when I first moved here. Uh, when I met Sam, <clears throat> so after this guy and I ended things, um, I realized kind of, okay, I don't really have a lot else in my life. So I started pursuing these things and became full again. And when I met Sam, it was I was at a totally different spot. Like I really had never felt so free to just like hold that relationship loosely, where I was like, well, I know I'm getting set up. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, oh well. Because it was, it was just this freedom to just be, I was full, I was satisfied, I was okay. Yes, I wanted a relationship. Yes, I wanted a boyfriend. But I was okay where I was at with God and with the things in my life. <clears throat> and that really freed me to just enjoy that relationship. Um, and also, I think being engaged and being married uh, I think all of us grow up hearing these fairy tales, 
And part of us doesn't believe that happily ever after start. We kind of know that like it doesn't start once you get married, but the other part of us like really believes, okay, happily ever after. You find your man, get married, happily ever after. Uh, but it's not, it isn't like that. And I remember so many people, friends, family, people here, everyone I come into contact with was like, oh my gosh, are you just so happy? Are you just on cloud nine at all times? Are you just happily ever after? You're there. And I kept being like, oh my gosh, I'm not on cloud nine. Like, where's cloud nine? Am I not there? Does this mean this is wrong? But I think being in a couples group with some young married couples, um, we all talk about that we have struggles in our relationships. Like Sam said earlier, we're bringing two people with a lot of issues and a lot of baggage and trying to make them work together at all times. It's tricky. Um, and the same thing with, and in this couples group, we talk about uh, a lot of different things. And Sam and I have found that in a lot of our fights or conflicts, it's stuff that we bring to the table. And I think lots of times we think, oh, if I just had the right guy or the right, this perfect relationship, then everything would be happy. But I'm like, well, even if Sam is like the most perfect thing ever, it's my junk sometimes that gets in the way. And so it's really freeing when both of us have eaten dinner because then it's, we're free to just enjoy each other for whatever that looks like. And in this couples group, we also talk about relationships, finances. We talk about conflicts we have with our jobs. With, and we even talk about sex. And a lot of us have found that like, talking, through talking about that, that if, we're, if sex is good or we're satisfied or not satisfied or how that's going is a lot more to do with how the rest of our relationship is going versus like, I think what, the, what all the magazines are saying is like, oh, here's 10 new tricks, try these five things, and that'll satisfy you. But I think we found that there's so much more to this story than just tricks and stuff like that. So what I wanted to talk about now was just, um, so one thing I also found in dating is just there's not a lot of models of kind of what a healthy dating relationship looks like. Like I said, the media has these images that it's, it's all about sex, it's all about looking good, it's all about what size you are, it's all about these moves you have, or it's this romantic comedy that says happily ever after will start. Um, but tonight, I wanted to look at a few practical things about dating. How do you date healthfully? And Sam and I have this another image, it's a diamond. And uh, we researchers show that the number one predictor of a healthy marriage is a deep and growing friendship. So the number one thing in a healthy marriage, predicting of a healthy marriage is deep and growing friendship. Uh, so this diamond is um, a lot about, is kind of how we see healthy relationships. And the idea is that the diamond would keep its shape as it moves deeper into the relationship. So you, and I think a lot of times our culture flips it. So they start with the physical and eventually you hang out, maybe. Or, um, but, but this is how we're going to talk about this tonight. <clears throat> so with making memories, uh, the things, let me just make sure. Yeah. Okay, so the first thing is making memories. And this was a huge part of Sam and my relationship. The beginning, we started with game night. Um, we've done tons of things, some extravagant, some really simple. Whether it's going for runs together, going on hikes, go skiing together, go to plays, doing stuff together that we can enjoy because you learn so much more about this person. Is this someone I want to be with? Is this someone I get along with? Do they drive me crazy because they have no patience? Do, they, do I love their attitude when they're just outside in the mountains? Like, is this someone that I enjoy? 
And I think that this is a good place for us as women to kind of take initiative. Or it's not asking this guy out on a date. It's just saying, hey, me and my friend, we're going to go skiing this weekend. You guys want to come? Or, you know, just simple things. Hey, I want to try out this new coffee shop. I heard of a great coffee. It's a great way for us to make suggestions and kind of make a move in that sense. Um, What else yeah, and, and some of these things could be things that you've never done before. Like Sam and I tried rock climbing, and we'd never really done it before. We both loved it. And it was something we learned and figured out we could do together. And that's been really powerful in our relationship. The second two, communication and spirituality, kind of go hand in hand. There's a, there's a, uh, a story in where Jesus is talking to his followers. And it's in Matthew 7.24. And he's giving them this advice. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had the foundation on a rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. For me, I'm trying to follow Jesus trying to figure out what it means to take his words and put them into practice, what it means to build my life, to build my house on a rock. And when I'm thinking about the person I want to live my life with, it would be really, really hard and really, really lonely if they are building on the sand and I was building on the rock. And so thinking big picture husband, I want someone that I can, who's excited and ready to build his house on a rock. But I also know that in college, there's... That the Lord is, well, at all times, God is after all of our hearts. Everyone in this room, everyone out there, everyone in the room across the hall, like, the Lord wants us to know him and to be with him. And college is a huge time of figuring out what is our faith like. A lot of people have strong faiths in high school, and they come to college, and they don't know what they believe anymore. Or they heard the gospel for the first time in college. I think about half of our staff kind of became Christians during college. So I know that this is a crazy time. On the other side, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they, don't, they aren't pursuing Jesus. They're not excited to move forward in that relationship. And so I think lots of times we're like, oh, is he Christian or not? Can I check the box or not? But I think better advice is just to get to know this person. Figure out what they're about, whether you're, you're finding out about spirituality or regular things of their favorites or their family, but just kind of get to know people. And I think that as you get to know them, you'll be able to tell, hey, you know, is this someone that wants to build his... I mean, you don't have to figure that out on the first date. You don't. You don't have to figure out the first, like, ten dates. But slowly you can begin to learn who this person is and see if that's someone who would be excited to build in the same direction you are. <clears throat> and this idea can be super intimidating. How am I supposed to bring up spirituality? We've never talked about faith before. Like, what am I supposed to say? And I think it can be really simple. I think, you know, if someone asks you... And this can be the same with your friends. Someone says, like, hey, what'd you do tonight? And you're like, oh, I went to the end. You know, and you just, like, kind of blow it off, or you don't talk about it, or it's this awkward thing. I know being in the sorority, lots of times I felt like that, like, oh, yeah, hope the end was good. You know, like, they just don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. We're awkward. But being like, hey, I went to the inn, and it was fun. There was a random girl and her husband, and they talked about sex and relationships, and it was weird, or it was interesting, or whatever it was. Um, But just kind of saying something simple like that. Or, yeah, we read this story about faith in the Bible, it was cool. And just kind of leave it, you know, like open the door for that conversation to happen. And I think another 
Yeah, that's good. <laughs> we'll just still leave it there. Um, page four. All right. Well, now we are to the physical part. That's the last part of the diamond. Um, and I think the biggest question we, we get in the college ministry is like, how far is too far? Um, and people debate, is this the right question? Is this the wrong question? Is it a good question or a bad question? And I, don't, I think people ask that question for different reasons. Some people want to know, how much can I get away with? But I think where I was coming from was like, how do I fit this physical piece into this diamond, into this relationship? How, I want to glorify God with all I do, but I don't know what, I mean, God created us. I don't know what to do with this. And I think that that's a good question. One thing Jason said last week that I really liked was he said that we are all created as sexual beings and that that's good. Especially as women, our sexuality is something that's beautiful. God created us to have sex, not just for baby making, but he also created parts of our bodies that are purely for physical enjoyment. And I think that that's a huge gift and a huge sign to some of what God wants for us. But the Lord also designed us to have sex as this expression of being completely known, not just physically, but completely known. And in the Bible, it's in this covenant relationship of, of marriage. And a lot of people think that this idea of having sex, saving yourself for marriage is outdated and ridiculous. But let's just say Sam got deflowered on our wedding night. <laughs> um, and pop culture would say, would be appalled. They would be like, are you crazy? Doesn't sex take you to paradise? How could you lock yourself out of heaven for so long? <laughs> but what I wanted to share with you was nine blessings that I found from waiting and moving slow. Um, but before I give those, I want to just say this, that I don't want, I almost, this is the part that I almost didn't want to share because I didn't want people to feel bad about what their past is. Like we talked about, actually I don't think I talked about it, but like everyone in this room has sinned. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Whether we've been too promiscuous or too judgmental or too obsessed with our bodies or too obsessed with our future husbands or like me, all of the above. We've all sinned and we all have junk in our lives and I want us to, to kind of push those aside and just know that we all have stuff that we've done. And so as I say these blessings, if you have had sex, if you're excited about having sex, if you've gone farther than you've wanted with a guy, um, just know that, first of all, that I'm not up here to condemn or judge anyone because I would be judging myself. And also just to know that, that we are not dirty, that you are not impure, that you are not broken, and that God, just like we talked about in the beginning, wants you to return to him. He wants to redeem us and restore us, and he will make amazing things come from our stories, whatever they are. But I also wanted to share these because people don't talk about this stuff. So... Here's my nine blessings for moving slow and waiting. And these things apply to your next relationship if you want. Uh, the first one, which is one of the best, is just more time and motivation to pursue the other sides of the diamond. I remember there was a week when Sam and I were particularly attracted to each other. And we would be like, all right, well, it's 9 o'clock. What do you want to do? We're like, well, no movie night, because we all know what happens on a movie night. But we were like, okay, let's just let's go for a run. So, like, I'm pretty sure five nights in a row we went for a run. But it was really fun because we got to talk, and now I have all these memories of doing these midnight runs with my boyfriend. Um, so there's a lot of a really big blessings that come from that. Or a lot of times we would, 
You know, be like, okay, well, let's go to bed early so we can get up early and go skiing all day. And we would just make things. Maybe it sucked at the night, but, like, we were still alive in the morning, and it was okay. <laughs> um, the second one was freedom. Just to know that he likes me for me and not just for the physical. Um, and that was really, that was really awesome. Because I think Satan uses a lot of lies. And he, and he, I mean, he still was attacking with lies, but that was really freeing for me. The third is just clear vision and reality of our relationship. Um, we've all seen this in our friends and in ourselves that lots of times physical stuff can make things seem a different way than they actually are. Four was just a random blessing that I just didn't have any of these images of other guys in my mind. Um, and I didn't have comparisons or, or, other, or disappointments or expectations when we were physically intimate. And that was really just a huge blessing. I was like, well, it's good, I guess. <laughs> um, number six was learning other ways to express love and affection. And for me, physical touch is one of my love languages. So honestly, this was actually something my friend was like, hey, you need to figure out how to tell this guy you like him with your words. And lots of times that's what guys need to hear. But um, it was a really great way to just learn these different ways to love, show love to each other. Seven, it set marriage apart and it kept it sacred. It was really fun to have, you see these big crazy promises and then to have something uh, very physical and tangible to kind of like say, all right, things are different now. Um, eight, there's funny stories from your honeymoon. People always ask, like, was it so awkward or was it just like big, ex-? anyway, that's awkward. <laughs> was it just exciting, really exciting. Um, but if I knew you all a little better, which I should probably just tell you now, but there's really funny stories of just figuring it out together. It's, yes, it's kind of awkward, but it's your best friend. And you're just hanging out and you're having, <laughs> you're, having, you're having fun and you get back and me and my friends, we trade really funny stories about how we were awkward or laughed about this or whatever happened. Um, and number nine, you have a chance, it's just a chance to trust God. I mean, I honestly don't know if God's going to be like, wow, like that was number one important thing, or that didn't really matter that much, or whatever he's going to say, but I, God wanted us to wait for marriage, and I don't really know why completely. I mean, these are some of the blessings, and I know it's powerful, but um, it was something where I was like, okay, God, I'll do my best. So those are my nine blessings for waiting moving slow. But also, it wasn't something that was just easy. And it wasn't just not easy between me and Sam. I lived in a sorority. I remember we were playing some, like, ten fingers over the mountain with our pledge class, and it was, like, all these things, like, come over the mountain if you've done this. And, like, everyone's running around. or like, come over the mountain if you've done this. And it was, like, come over the mountain if you're a virgin. And I was, like, you know, <laughs> jumping down the middle, just super awkward. And, like, there are so many conversations where I was, like, can't contribute don't have anything to share, you know, like, I don't know. But um, it's awkward in the moment. I felt uncomfortable. I felt, would feel insecure. But, like, looking back, it's like, who cares? And my friends knew, they respected me, even if they teased me, and I respected them. Um, so that's what I have to say about that. The last thing I want to share with you guys is just uh, six tips for moving slow. And you can read about them on your little handout, so I'm just going to look at them really quickly. First one is just focusing because it's not easy. So these are really practical little things you can do. Focus on the big picture and the blessings. Move slow and allow room for other areas of your relationship to grow. Especially people who are like, oh, I think I want to marry this guy. I'm like, then that's even, if you're going to be dating this person for a few more years, like, as you get to know them more, you're going to want to express that more physically. So you need to, so if you started out naked, there's not much more you can go. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Um, three is just talk about everything, especially boundaries. And I think it's really weird that we do things 
but we are like completely embarrassed to talk about them, even with the person we're doing them with. And that's kind of weird, and, and that was a, it was awkward to talk about a lot. Of, I mean, it's just awkward stuff to talk about, but it's really um, good to talk about. Four is just hold on to your boundaries, and I think in any relationship, there's times where I would push the boundaries, times where Sam would push the boundaries, but being able to stand firm, and if a guy doesn't respect that, then he's not worth it. Second, or the fifth one is don't let shame into your relationship and pray. Both of us came from a lot of past relationships where there was a lot of shame, like, you shouldn't have felt that. I mean, this felt good, but that was bad, and my mom says this, and my, you know, just all this crap gets in there. I don't know if I can say it, but all this stuff gets into your relationship, and it gets messy, and there's a lot of guilt and shame or of things we've done, and we're like, we're not going to, like, God made us sex- attracted to each other. So if we crossed a boundary, we'd be like, Jesus, thank you that we're attracted to each other. That's a gift. But you made us this way. Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, help us out here. Show us what to do. Be with us. Show us how to set these boundaries. Um, so that was kind of, that's that one. Fifth, sixth one, self-explanatory. Use wisdom. Put yourself in situations. Keep your physical boundaries. And finally, on this idea of wisdom, there's this verse in... James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Know that God wants to be a part of your relationship. He wants to help you out. Um, And asking God to be a part of that is something that will will bring you closer to the Lord, will bring the Lord into that relationship and bring you closer to this guy. Especially as you get further closer to marriage, it was, I mean, there was a lot of prayers that were like, okay, Jesus, what do we do with this? How do we do this? What do we do about this? And that's really freeing. (laughs) so um, as Valentine's Day is coming up this week my prayer would just be that you would remember the notebook (laughs) remember that that tiny little image that that's a tiny glimpse of how much God loves you and adores you and thinks you're amazing and know that he wants to bring you life abundant and he doesn't say wait till you've got a husband or wait till you have a boyfriend he wants to bring it to you now so know that and also eat dinner pursue Jesus Uh, and these other things of life. And finally, go on dates, have fun, learn about each other, and move forward in the diamond. Bring the Lord into that relationship and ask for his wisdom, not just about sexual things, but about fun date ideas. Maybe something will pop into your head. Um, And thank thank him for your sexuality and just ask him kind of, what do I do with this, Lord? You made this. Help me out. So um, just know that God loves you, and let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity to get to share uh, with these women about sex and dating and relationships. Pray you be with us as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And one last thing is that uh, tomorrow night at 7.30, Sam and I will be back here to answer questions. And some of those other questions will get answered by Jason. But we're going to meet in the hospitality house. People want to come. So, that's all. All right. <laughs> Um, I'm Kaylee. I'm here on staff. And if you guys have questions or anything, please write them down. Annika and Sam are really excited to be able to answer them for you. So take advantage of that. I think it's a really cool opportunity. Um, as well as people on staff are more than happy to meet with you guys. Like, that's our job and we love it. Um, so if this talk has brought up things um, just that you have questions about or need prayer for, please come talk to us. We'd love to do that with you. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to read this uh, passage from First Thessalonians, and then we'll be done for the night. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it.
And all God's people said, 